came with a group of young people. And it was the young people that were becoming Muslim. And the elders who had influence, they were concerned that these young people, they're listening to this strange man, and they're not going to listen to us anymore. And we are the elders of the community and the ways of our ancestors and idol worship and all of these other things. So they said, this is concerning. So they got upset. And they went to Musab ibn Umayyad, and he was sitting with uh, the people he was teaching, and he, people they were te- he was teaching them, they saw the man from afar, and he said, they said, this is one of our leaders, and he's an important person. And he was upset. So he came to Musab, and he said, I'm paraphrasing, but he said to him that you are corrupting our youth, you're doing this, you're doing this, and he got upset. And Sayyidina Musab was calm. And he said to him, why don't you sit down? And I'll explain what I'm saying. And if you like it, take it. If you don't like it, leave it. He said, that's fair. So he sat down and Sayyidina Musab, he explained to him and he liked it. And he left and when he went, before he came, there were two chiefs. And, he, and so they were both upset. And so when he saw his face, he said that his face is not the face of the person who left. And then the same thing happened with the second one, and they became Muslim. Alhamdulillah, Islam spread and the da'wah spread. But it's interesting that the way in which the da'wah of the Prophet spread, the way it spread was that he, when he sent his companions, they would welcome people who disagreed with them. And they would talk to them, and they would convince them, and they would show them and that's what the Messenger of Allah وسلم, also did in Mecca. He talked to people, he convinced them, he showed them why they should accept the message that he was bringing. And people were convinced, and they, didn't, they, used, to tell, they used to tell people that, when, that don't listen to this man. And he recites these things, put your fingers in your ears. And so people would go and they would put fingers, fingers in their ears. And it was a completely, it was a very, so I, sometimes I try to imagine, and it's such a wonderful thing to imagine, that the Prophet wasallam he came, his people came, and um, the companions, and they're using reason, and they're using arguments, and they're showing people, and these other people, they're saying, no, no, don't listen to these people, put, put your fingers in your ears, and then persecute them. And they're not following the ways of their ancestors, and they're not listening to their uncles, and they're not listening to their parents, they don't listen to their parents anymore. Their parents, they worship idols, and they are, uh, they're saying they don't want to worship idols anymore. They're, they're such bad kids, they don't listen to their parents. So there's a, there's the general da'wah of the Prophet وسلم, which is, it's based on, it's based on reason. It's based on being open. It's based on listening to criticism. It's based on giving responses. And the way of the people, the mushrikun of Mecca, the people who disbelieved in him, was the, was the way of your ancestors. And you have to believe because this is what I did for you, and you have to be grateful to me, and you have to respect me. So the strange thing that I've, I've been observing, I've been, uh, so I'm in the, uh, I, I work, I would, the, a while ago, people, they used to come to me, they used to say, my son doesn't pray, my daughter doesn't wear hijab, can you talk to my, uh, can you talk to them? But gradually, the question started changing from uh, they don't practice to they don't want to be Muslim anymore. 
and it increased, it became more and more frequent. Um, and so I developed this course that Moana Harun spoke about called Why Islam is True. Um, and uh, it's based on rational argument for the existence of God, for the genuine messenger of the Prophet It's based on what our ulama taught. It's actually in the Quran, it's in the, in, uh, the classical tafsir, Bishan tafsir. Allah have mercy on him also mentions these arguments. He was a great master of this science. Um, and, uh, and so this is something that I teach. Um, and uh, I would encourage all of you to check it out. If you go to whysamus2.com, you can, you, can, you can have a look at it. There's an email series there that talks about why our children are leaving Islam and what we can do about it. Um, but what I want to talk about today is another aspect. There's two aspects. There's one aspect which is the, the rational arguments and reason. But there's another aspect. And that other aspect is that when we use these rational arguments and reason, then we can deal with people the way that Mus'ab ibn Umayr dealt with people, the way that the Prophet dealt with people. But when we don't use these rational arguments, then the general uh, scene it becomes very strange. And the strange thing is that many people who leave Islam and they become atheists, they say that we're using our minds. We've studied science. We understand how the world works. We want to, we want to be open-minded. We want to listen to what other people have to say. We want to read lots of books. We want to do all of these things. And they come, and then on the other side, what happens is that often when parents are not equipped to deal with these problems, their response ends up being, it is not the way of your ancestors. And so, so what happens is that there's, there's children, they make this decision, and it's a long process. It's a long process, but they make this decision, and then the parents, they get upset, they feel insulted, and there's a relationship that's broken. It's there's this relationship that's broken. And that relationship is really, really important. And it's just as important as the rational argument. And this relationship, I just want to describe today what, how this relationship should be. So this relationship should be one of mercy. The, uh, the relationship that I have to my child and you have to your children it's a relationship of mercy. The Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he was once receiving delegations. And they were, it's towards the end of his mission, Bedouins came from afar to say that they wanted to become Muslim. And the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he had his grandson with him when these important people were coming. Sayyiduna Al-Hasan. And he kissed him. And the Sahabi, he accepted Islam, Al-Aqra ibn Habis, he said, I have 10 children, I've never kissed any of them. And the Prophet wasallam said, Man la yarham, la yurham. The one who doesn't show mercy is not shown mercy to. The one who doesn't show mercy to children, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not show mercy to them. So, we, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us a tremendous right over our children. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, Your Lord has decreed that you don't worship anybody except Him, 
And the second thing that he tells us after um, worshiping him is that you should be good and kind to your parents. Parents have a huge right over us. The disrespect to parents, insulting them, speaking down at them, belittling them, is one of the greatest of sins. It's up there with shirk and killing another human being. So this is a tremendous right that we have over our children. However, this right, there's two sides to it. The Messenger of Allah وسلم, he said, the one who does not have mercy on our the young among us and acknowledge the rights of the elders among us is not is not one of us. So the other side of respect is mercy. When we have mercy on our children, they will grow up to respect us. When we don't have mercy on our children, they will not want to respect us. And what happens is that there's a tension that develops. And there's a negative cycle that develops. And this ends up pushing our children away emotionally from us. And if we are religious, then it ends up pushing them away from religion, from being religious. So this problem, subhanAllah, it's something that is more serious amongst religious Muslims than it is amongst Muslims who aren't religious. This is a strange thing. Because what happens is that that we that you know that uh, the uh, so the, the 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 child the child has a need. What does it mean to have mercy on someone? Mercy, our ulama they say, is a softness of the heart. So you see somebody in need, you see a beggar, and the beggar is going like this, uh, or you see you go to a website. You see that there's a crisis somewhere in the world, and these things, they soften your heart. They soften your heart, and when they soften your heart, you want to do something, and so you take money out and you give money, you put in your credit card details, you donate money. This is rahmah, this is mercy. Mercy is softness in our heart that leads you to give something. So. The Prophet ﷺ, he taught us to have mercy with our children. What does it mean to have mercy with our children? It means we see them, they're in need, and I have my heart softened and I give them something. What is it that I give them? Maybe I give them food, maybe I give them a place to live in, maybe I give them money, maybe I give them, you know, help them get married. I give them all of these things, but Many of us, we don't realize that the greatest need that our children have is us. It's us. So when the Prophet ﷺ, he was kissing his grandchild, he was having mercy on the grandchild. Because the grandchild, he looks up at his grandfather with his eyes, and he says, I need you. I need you to take care of me, I need you to give me time, I need you to give me importance, I need you to be concerned about me. They have this need. So when the Prophet would look at them, that's how he would look at them. There was once the Prophet was praying, he went into sujood. And it was so long that the companions thought that something has happened, because he hasn't come up. Something happened to the Prophet He came up, he gave salams, he said, what happened? He said, my grandson, he, he started riding me like you ride a camel. And so he was playing, 
excuse me, he was playing, and I wanted him to finish and be satisfied and leave by himself before I came up from to do. This is mercy. Because the, the, the little child, he is saying that, fine, he's a messenger of God, he's my grandfather. <laughs> he's my grandfather. I want something from him. And the, and that, and, and the Prophet saw it and he had mercy. And he gave this to the child. So sometimes, you know, I, you know people, we have, you know, I'm, I, I try to remember this myself, and it's, you know, there's, mashallah, all of you, you're um, very learned, very religious, you come to the masjid, you're all, you know, I have a lot to learn from you, inshallah, you can teach me something afterwards, and I'm done as well. But the, what, one of the things that I've found is that often people who are parents who are very religiously active, they're organizing an event in the masjid, they are giving a talk here, they're giving a lesson here, they're doing this, they're doing this, they're doing this, they're doing this, and they're serving the community, but they don't spend time with their children. And what happens is that the child, he has this need. He has this need. He says that, I need, I need my father, I need my mother, and it's not fulfilled, and they, and they then, they don't want to go to the masjid. Maybe they don't want to pray. Maybe they don't want to be religious. And why, why are they doing this? Because they're saying that this religious thing that my parent does, it's taking him away from me and I don't like it. It's irrational, they can't say it. They, they can't articulate it in, in logically, but it's just how they feel. So they feel that, that this thing is taking my father away from me, he doesn't love me, I don't want it. And then the father, he gets upset at the child. He tells the child that you're this and you're this and you're this and don't you know you should be doing this I'm going to punish you. And so what ends up happening is he's pushing the child away even more. And the only thing that the child needed was attention and mercy. I once, when I was, uh, when I was a teenager, I used to have, um, I used to teach, I used to do youth stuff. And so I once taught in a, uh, a summer program in the masjid. And they were all great kids except one. We told him to stand up, he sat down, he told him to sit down, he stood up, he did the opposite thing. I did it for one day and I didn't want to go back again. I said like, I, I, what have I gotten myself into? Right? And so I went to my mother and my mother was a teacher and she said, give him a position of responsibility. And um, I said, okay. So I went the next day and I said that you are now my assistant and you're going to collect all the tests I forgot what I said, but maybe you're gonna help me grade them, you're the captain of the team, you're this, you're that. And he was, his jaw dropped. Because he had been through years and years and years of Islamic school and Islamic classes, and everybody had told him that he's a bad kid, and he doesn't, and he's no good. And so he, he then, he, he responded. He responded, and by the end of the two or three weeks that I, that I had them, um, he was. He made me a card. He gave me a gift. Um, he came with his mother. His mother said that she that he never had this 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 much of an experience. And the only thing I did was I gave him a little bit of um, a little bit of attention. And this is uh, mercy because what was he doing? He was actually looking. He was saying, "I'm not bad. I'm not bad the way that everybody says that I'm bad." And tell me I'm good. Tell me I'm I'm I'm, I'm uh, tell me you like me. And you do that, and they come. They come. 
So when I when I when I came here, um, I was uh, you know, I, I'm a little bit busy, so I'm not practicing when I'm preaching. I'm I'm busy doing things. So uh, but alhamdulillah, the kids are at home. They're with their grandfather. They're with their cousins. They're playing, and the little one, he is he's acting up. He's not listening. He's three years old. So and it's very frustrating, right? So uh, if you tell him to do something, I will not do this. I know I will not do this. And then the way we analyzed it was that everybody else is playing, he's feeling left out. So what does he need when he's saying that I, I don't, what he needs is, he needs somebody to pick him up and kiss him and give him time and go for, go for a walk. And when he gets that, you tell him to do the same thing, he'll say okay. Because the thing that he was looking for was this mercy. And our children, they are like that. They just, they just want, they want you. They want you, they want to be told that they are good, they want to be praised, and they are, uh, you know, so if we, you know, the Prophet وسلم, it's on the Jumu'ah khutbah, we, we often hear the hadith, inna arhama ummati bi ummati Abu Bakr. Okay, and, and the most merciful of my ummah to my ummah is Abu Bakr. And Sayyidina Umar is so-and-so, and Uthman is so-and-so, and I sometimes think, how would Abu Bakr feel when he heard these words from the mouth of the Prophet How would Umar feel when he heard these words? How would Khalid ibn walid feel when the Prophet called him Sayyidullah? They would jump with joy and they would live up to what was being said and go even further. And this, this is how, this is what the Prophet did. And he did this through mercy. He did this through mercy. And it's this mercy that we need to show to our children. So the verse in the Quran, which is often we, we read it, we think about it. And sometimes maybe our children, they answer back to us. And we remember that in the Quran, it says that if your parents say something, don't even say off to them. Don't say off to your parents. Now, if you read this verse, Right, what is the verse saying? It says, Imma Yabulu Banna in the Kalkiba, Ahaduhuma Aukilahuma, Falata Kullahuma. So, what's the scenario? The scenario is that the parents have grown old, and as they become old, they become irritable, and they, they say things. And so, where are you? Are you a 10 year old child? No, you have children of your own. You're like this, you're like me. So the verse is speaking to someone like me that when my, when my parents grow old, I shouldn't say off to them. And I want my children to do the same when they grow old, but when they're small, they're small, they're children. This is, this is a time to show them rahmah. And when you show them rahmah, they grow up to show you respect. And when they don't receive rahmah, then they're saying, they're, they're reacting, and they're saying like this and that, I'm not going to do this. And they're just looking for rahmah, and then we get upset at them, and we push them away, and they grow up, and they don't show respect. So, so this, this, is, this is a cycle. This is a cycle, and it manifests itself in this, in this, in, 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 in when we say that you should, you should pray because, uh, because you, have to, you have to respect your parents, that's not why they should be praying. So here's another thing that I would like to maybe um, uh, I'd like I'd like I, you know I would I would like everybody to I would like all of us to understand 
and something that took me a long time to understand. And I made many mistakes. And you become, you only learn from mistakes. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive me for my mistakes. And so the, uh, the, when often, you know, what I observed happening was there's a child, he doesn't want to, um, he doesn't want to practice or he doesn't want to be Muslim. And then for the parents, particularly in a religious community, the thoughts that come to the parents are that I am feeling humiliated. I'm feeling humiliated. I'm humiliated because how will I show my face to the masjid if they find out that my son has done this or that my son doesn't do this or that my daughter has decided to take off her hijab or that this or that that. How will I show it? This is a humiliation to me. And so uh, so there's a so the the way that we when when these kinds of things happen, the way that we then deal with our children is it becomes about them respecting me, and it's not a position of rahma. What's the position of rahma? The position of rahma is, O oh, you who believe, who alfusakum wa nara, protect yourself and your families from the hellfire. and its fuel is men and stone. So when I see some, when I see someone, particularly if it's my own child, and they are not where I would like them to be, then my what what should happen if it's the position of rahmah? What should happen in the position of rahmah is I believe that there is an akhirah. I believe there is a hellfire, and so I feel mercy, and I don't want them to be like this. I don't want them to be like this, and so I so so and I and and then I have to realize. Why are they like this? And if I, if I do this, what will they say? And if I act like this, how will they react? How will they react? And when, when these kinds of situations happen, uh, it, requires, it requires gentleness. It requires gentleness. So there was once, what's gentleness? Gentleness is when it's, roughness is when you say, take it, do it now. Right now, like this, otherwise, you know, otherwise you're in trouble. Gentleness is when you understand where somebody is, where they're coming from, and you play the long game. You have a long vision. You have a long vision. So if, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not try any of us with this, but if it happens to somebody that their child decides that he wants to leave Islam, you have to remember you are their lifeline. You are their lifeline. And the, the connection that they have with you is the thing that can bring them back 10 years later, 20 years later, 30 years later, a couple of moments before they pass away. That's the thing that will bring them back. And if you cut them off, then you're cutting off a lifeline. Right? So just I, so everybody so so remember that. And the so what the Prophet he was famous hadith, he's in a masjid. And a Bedouin came. These Bedouins, they're, they're amazing because they do all these things they're not supposed to do in front of the Prophet and we learn so much when they do this. So they, so they came, so Bedouin came in, he probably came with good intentions. Inshallah, I'll, I'll end with this. He, he, he came in with good intentions. He said that, oh, there's this man, he's, uh, he's the messenger of God, I want to learn from him, it's so good. And he came to the masjid and he needs to go to the bathroom. So what do you do when you need to go to the bathroom in the desert? You go to a corner, you pull up your pants, and you go to the bathroom. So he's in the masjid, he goes to a corner, he pulls up his pants, and he starts to go to the bathroom. 
And the, everybody in the masjid, the companions, just as all of us, if somebody came and started doing this in this masjid, we would, you can imagine how we would react. And so the companions, they are shocked. They said, how can you be doing this? This is a masjid, as a khurma, we pray here. Don't, don't you know anything that right to go? And the Prophet wasallam, he stopped them. He told them, don't say anything. Don't say anything. So just to kind of put it in perspective, what is the ruling of urinating in a masjid? It's haram. It's haram to urinate in a masjid. So the thing that the Bedouin is doing is haram. And it's a high level haram, right? And the Prophet ﷺ, he is telling his companions, let him do that haram. But why is he saying, let him do that haram? Is he saying, because it's okay to do the haram? No, that's not why he's saying that. Because the Prophet ﷺ is looking at the Bedouin from the perspective of rahmah. He's having mercy on him. And he wants to save him from the hellfire. And he understands that if right now people, they come down hard on him to stop him, maybe he won't do this, but he's not in the masjid, he's gonna say, he's gonna say, forget this prophet, forget this deen, I never wanna see these people again. And this soul that the Prophet came to save from the hellfire will have slipped in time. And he saw that this is, this is a, this needs to be, this is a greater harm. This is a harm, but this is a greater harm. So he let, so they let him, and then he taught the companions. We learned, we learned the ahkam of tahara. They come from this hadith because it's because of this hadith that we know how to purify a ground when urine has gone on it. So he taught, told his companions, take a big bucket of water and pour it over it. Um, and then he taught, he, he taught him. He, he he taught the Bedouin, and the Bedouin was very appreciative. And he, uh, and he was, uh, he, you know, according to some riwayat, he said, may Allah have mercy. He said to the Prophet, may Allah have mercy on me and you and nobody else. Because all of these people, you know, they're, uh, you know, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like them. And then the Prophet said, you have taken something that's really, really vast and you've like limited it. But he saved him, he helped him, right? And so if the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he can do something like this with, a Bedouin who, with whom he doesn't have a blood relationship, then this is something that we can do with our children. And when we have this relationship, then we gain a far-sightedness and, um, that, that we have, and only a parent can have that. Only a parent can have that. And um, inshallah, I will uh, stop here. Inshallah, if anyone has any questions, you know, we have some time until Maghrib. So, possibly, inshallah, Sheikh can help answer that, entertain that until Maghrib. You have questions? So, what if, you know, a lot of. Okay. So, there's either that a, a person has to show their parents, right? And a khat. But now let's say if their parents, if the child does not have a good relationship with their parents, right, and their parents have not treated them properly, what is their duty now to that parent? Because I, I deal with this a lot. 
say I'm a therapist, right? So I want to know from the Islamic standpoint, like, you know, I've talked to scholars, but I just want to know, because you deal with this a lot, what is the proper method for the child to deal with their parents, and what is the extent that they have to call? Is it just doing the khidmah, or do they have to do the khidmah, or just say salam? Like, what do they, what, to what extent? Do they have to have that relationship with their parents? So the question this is from somebody who's a therapist and he is saying that what uh, that he deals with cases um, and to what it, where the relationship with the parent is not there. And so to what extent does somebody who does not have a good relationship with their parents have to go um, in terms of having um, a relationship with their parents? So the question is is very it's a broad question. And there are many different scenarios to consider. So presumably you deal with you deal with adults, right? But so and so first of all, the, the, the case that I'm talking about is children who are not adults yet. So when when, when children are children, then the, then the parents' responsibility to show mercy on them is greater than the responsibility of the parents to, or the children to show respect to them. In fact, if the child isn't valid, he doesn't have that responsibility at all, right? It's just there, the parents have to teach him. And the way, that you, that the way that you teach them is by modeling, is by gentleness. And so um, even though you've talked about adults, if I'll just give like one case of, of, of a child, just for example. So, um, so there's a child, and the child is, act, is, is rude to the parent. He answers back to the parent. And he's upset, maybe because he didn't get what he wanted, or he had a difficult day at school, or something or the other. So often, what's good is you, at that moment, you don't deal with it. You let the child calm down. You do something else. You don't say it's okay, but you do something else. When the child calms down, you come back, and you say something like, have you ever seen me talk to my father, your grandfather, in this way? And the child says no. He said, I want you to be like that. And so now, outside the heat of the moment, the child has now understood. And then what's going to happen is it's going to recur. They're going to do it again. So you do, it, you do this again. You show them patience. And if it keeps on recurring, then you place consequences. You tell them, not in the heat of the moment, that if you do this, then you're grounded, this, this, this. And so this is, this is what, and, and, and the reason why the parent would do this is because they want to save their child from the hellfire. Because they don't want a child that grows up to be somebody who commits the major sin of Okay, so this is for the children. Now, what about there's an adult? Now with the adult, there's many cases. Sometimes, unfortunately, there, is, there are serious cases of abuse. There might be sexual abuse, right? There might be, uh, there might be extreme violence, you know, and, and all of these things are haram and they leave a mark and maybe the parent is still, you know, they're, you know, they're, all those things are there. So this is like an extreme case, right? So in these extreme cases, in these extreme cases, the uh, the uh, the the child you have to they have to be protected from harm. You have to, you know, the harm cannot cannot continue. Um, and then it's just evaluated on a case by case situation. What can be done? You know, there needs to be mediation. You talk to the parents and. I mean, it's, it's it's a complex it's a complex situation, and uh, and so and I can't, and I think that you would be better qualified to um, to solve such a such a situation than I am. But I'd like to point out one case, 
right? Because this is something that I see. And that case is that maybe the father was, didn't show mercy to the child, he didn't kiss the child, right? He didn't, he didn't spend time with the child, but he didn't beat him, he didn't sexually abuse him, he didn't do all of these things, right? And so now the child, because mercy wasn't shown to him, he has certain resentment inside his heart and he's grown up and he's an adult. Now, he, it's not, it's not, it's like, like therapists, they, you have to, like, it's is a kabira. And there are, he has to, so he has to, we have to help. The role of the therapist is to help that child have, have respect for their parents even though they didn't receive it, and it's very difficult to do. It's very difficult to do, and it takes a process, and that's why, that's why um, we have a job. <laughs> so, but, but this is the place that we want to take them to, and a non-Muslim therapist doesn't see that. They just say that it's your life, do whatever you want, and live an independent, and so that's the, and that's our, and that is like, it's one of the greatest, it's what, it's, it's uh, they are, like I heard from all of my teachers that this, this is your door to paradise, right? So. And, and it doesn't come easy. And so often, by, uh, that's, that's something that they have to kind of. Basically, everything we're talking about over here is a reactive approach of things that already happened or happened. Uh, can you put, shed some light on the thing that how to develop a child from the beginning? But you don't have to face these consequences. Thank you for uh, thank you for the, for the question. Um, so uh, it basically means that from the beginning um, we need to the, the father and the mother need to be involved in the life of their child. So the father and the mother need to know what the child is doing when he goes to school. They need to know how their relationship with their teachers, they need to know if they're struggling with their homework, they need, to, uh, they need to spend time with them, they need to play games with them. If they like to play a particular sport, they need to learn that sport, even if it's not played back home and play it with them. They need to come down to their level, show an interest in the conversation. So they need to, when the, when the child, there's an important, I come home from work, there's an important message, text message on my phone, and my child comes, and my child says, blah, 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 and he talks about complete nonsense, or at least, it's, for me, from my perspective, but for him it's really important. I put my phone down, and I listen to it, and I pay attention to him, and I engage him, and I humor him, and I develop, and so I, 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 I develop a relationship with my child through this lens of mercy. And when this happens over a long period of time, then the, this is what the Prophet did with his companion. So he once said to his wife, Sayyidah Hafsa, he said, This is Abdullah ibn Umar. And he said, to, he said that, what a wonderful, it's just the, 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 he said, what a wonderful man Abdullah is. If only he'd, keep, he'd, pray, he'd pray at night. And this reached Abdullah ibn Umar. This piece of so, so Abdullah ibn Umar, because he has this relationship with the Prophet, the Prophet paid attention to him. The Prophet paid attention to children, not just his own children, but other children. Ya Ghulam inni Kalimat. Famous hadith, it's a child, he's seated behind him. 
little girls could come and take him by the hand and take him wherever they wanted to. Prophet he visited a young boy whose pet bird had died. So the so the the kids they 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 had this bond with the Prophet. They they just like you would have with our parents, but even more because our love for the Prophet exceeds our love for our parents. So uh, so he said he said that what a wonderful man Abdullah is. If only he prayed at night. And Abdullah heard this. And his children said that from that time on, he only slept at night except a little bit. So this is, this is a trait called haya, where you feel ashamed at letting somebody down. And when we, when we do this, we have this relationship with our children, then inshallah, like all of these prevention things, they don't, uh, they don't happen. And uh, we, uh, we avoid all of these um, all of these. Maybe it's time to Two more minutes.